good afternoon and welcome to another episode of From the Backseat Football Podcast. In a midweek where the best entertainment could be found inside the House of Commons, football paid a boundary tribute with a host of low scoring fixtures. Manchester United dismantled a poor Tottenham side, Liverpool continued their evolution with a winner from Darwin, and is Grealish just a shit Miggy Almiron? All that and more on today's episode. Um, so yeah, Hugh, how are you doing today? I am very well, thank you, mate. Very well. Um, enjoying, as you've quite rightly noted, the drama going on at Westminster. Certainly a good distraction from my day. Um, and yeah, ready to go through last night's boring fixtures, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, arguably we should just do a political podcast for this one, because that is the main talking point. I've been watching mm. it really closely, and I've decided that reality TV has now seeped into real life, and it's it's too much. It's hard to know what's real anymore. I think the the peak, the season finale that I really enjoyed was all of the Republican sort of crazies storming um, storming that place in America. A few years Capitol ago. Hill. That was yeah, that was a really good ending to that season of content. But now they've moved it to the UK for this. Yeah, season. UK's had a spin off, and um, it yeah. hasn't disappointed. It's. I don't. I'll be honest. Like it's not. It's not one of my biggest interests. Politics, but. Even I know that this is absolutely shambolic. <laughs> it is so, yeah. so for, those, for those who who live under a rock and aren't aware, um, the current Prime Minister, Liz Truss, has just resigned after 43 days in charge. I 45, think. to be to be fair. 45. And that's the shortest of any Prime Minister ever. She wasn't actually elected. She was elected by a small group of uh, Tory members and now she's gone and no one knows what the fuck's going on anymore because there's rumours that Boris Johnson wants to come back which would be honestly the kind of the kind of ridiculous you know that I didn't see coming <laughs> there's and just, only one just man great, that can save it'd the be day like, like bringing back Steve Carell into the office you know, like we didn't know we needed the main character back but he's back it For couldn't record, be much worse you know sometimes we're not a political podcast but I fucking hate Boris Johnson <laughs> and I'm just gonna put it out there publicly in case he ever listens to this you can get fucked mate <laughs> I don't hate Boris as much because I've seen I've seen what the alternative is aka Liz Trust. so I'm open to ideas mate but oh gotta get it sorted out soon <laughs> General election so It's got to happen General election now it, You'll leave it there No let's morally, leave it there General election now yeah. And yeah Let's see what Labour can do <laughs> Yeah I Goodness agree. me Goodness me Well I'm glad we got that out I feel like I can now continue with, with um, Yeah That's been bubbling I feel like we We needed a platform To just vent For a second Anyway So I think <laughs> Probably there's There's probably if we're being totally fair, there's probably two games that are interesting this week and the rest were pretty horrendous. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with the the headliner, the big boy. Well, the big game of the round, which is Manchester United Tottenham. I said on the last podcast, easy 1-0 for Tottenham. No, I was totally Anything wrong. But. So Manchester United 2, Tottenham 0 and an absolute masterclass for Manchester United. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Manchester United... This could be the 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 result that kickstarts their season. I've used that term a lot, but up until now, it's been quite muddled from Eric Ten Hag and his Manchester United team. Not quite sure if they're just reverting to type by playing counter-attacking football. Not really seeing the blueprints of this supposed Ten Hag ball. Um, and last night, he he blew it all out the water. It was it was a great performance from them. I haven't seen a performance like that from them in 
in years. You know, they were on the front foot the whole time. And fair enough, Tottenham do, you know, this is their kind of, this is their tactics. They do let teams kind of take control of the ball and they do sit deep. But they really had no answer for from the high press from, from Manchester United's midfield, led by Bruno Fernandes. Um, best performance I've seen from him maybe this calendar year as well. He really led from the front, had the captain's armband and got, deservedly got a goal. But, you know, that wasn't really the main contribution. He was pressing them all all game um, and a turnover of the ball all came through him so yeah I was really impressed um, and I'm saying it through gritted teeth is basically long story short I agree I agree best performance of the season for sure 28 shots on goal most of any team this season in a match mm. um, yeah I thought Fernandez was really good I really like that you said Fernandez because that from being in Portugal I feel like that might be right because they do a lot of that ch- that, that oh really? Oh what? So that's not just yeah, yeah. that's not just some weird FIFA. I mean, I did wonder why FIFA would include it. That's that's where I've got it from. FYI, because he's Bruno Fernandes. Um, yeah, like they have like Chabay, Chabay, Chabay Sha, and things like yeah, that. Okay. Or like it's like Uno Deutsch, like Deutsch, not Dos Deutsch. So Fernandes feels about right. See, that's a tangent. But anyway, we're a politically correct podcast, Portuguese fans. I'll have you know exactly. But yeah, he, his numbers have been getting worse and worse every season, so it's very nice to see uh, Bruno not only get a goal, but yeah, generally lead from the front and look like an actual an actual captain and a, a good version of himself. Mm. Um, a, a special shout out, I think, to Fred. He's just a very funny player, isn't he? Ooh, because yeah. I feel yeah. like he's unfairly criticised because they criticise him for being a bad defensive midfielder which he's not anyway, so it feels already like a harsh criticism. Um, he's a bit of a jacker, isn't he? Like, his best position is... I is, almost is wrote it in my notes, but yeah. I didn't want to put Xhaka in a podcast where Arsenal aren't playing, so I, <laughs> I tried to ignore it. Try as but... you might, it will happen anyway, <laughs> my friends. But I agree, I mean, he's it's like Xhaka, they're lightning rods when it goes wrong, isn't it? Because when yeah. it goes wrong for Fred, when he gives the ball away or does something poor, it just really stands out. Um, yeah, it's really. Int- I was watching him last night. Like he was doing everything right. Like he was going to make an interception, but you know he intercepted well, but forgot to take the ball with him. It's probably like a prime example of just what Fred is in a nutshell. Like he does every he does everything right, and then it somehow just doesn't look right. Um, but I agree. I think there's a fair amount of vindication for Fred haters last night. Uh, yeah, yeah. finished finished the game with one, you know, deflected goal and one slightly unintended assist, but. Fred. Man of the match performance. It's Fred, baby. Big man. Yeah. I wonder so, if Casemiro being at the base of the midfield has... It released him. Yeah, released both of, bro, both of him, Bruno Fernandes, though. Maybe before they find well, themselves yeah, tracking back too much. Before they had McFred, which is two players who aren't actually defensive midfielders. Mm. So having to play two of them to do one man's job, basically. And they've got Casemiro, who can do two people's jobs, effectively, because he's that good, so... It makes a lot of sense, and I thought yeah, Casemiro had this, a really good game. Yeah, which begs the question: why they didn't just drop him in straight away? He's obviously good enough. Yeah, I know there's systemic things, but yeah, I agree. Points had he played, I agree. It was a real statement win, though, from United, wasn't it? Um, yep. Um, shout out to Varane and Martinez: five clean sheets in their seven games together now. Scary, it's quite damning for Harry Maguire because there's no way of him coming back unless one of them gets injured now. Um, they just look really good and we hate to say it but maybe the trick was just playing good defenders who can defend and aren't massively out of form they look yeah. good they look impregnable 
Yeah, it's, 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 the, the Maguire fit, the Maguire experiment now just seems more and more questionable, doesn't it? Wasted so much time on top of the money to, to bring this guy in where it just wasn't working. Um, I do hope he proves me wrong. I hope he comes back somehow. We need to see Maguire back in the defence. We need to see what, what arrested Maguire may look like. <laughs> I need to know, all right? I can't sleep at night. Varane will get crocked at some point and then we will then we will see where we're at. I just worry... That would be an interesting experiment if he comes straight back in and boom, two goals conceded. Well, this is what I mean. It's like, then you know for sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, because he's because he's Maguire, if you've got to know for sure. <laughs> it's a big... It was it's, 86 it's, it's, mil. It, Let's not forget, he was a lot of money. We need to just... We need to test this hypothesis one more time. One just more time. Now we know that it can be it good. It can work. So, yeah. I, what I fear is we're going to have a Maguire going to Qatar that hasn't played for two and a half months. And you're going to ask him to... To marshal the defence. Oh, it's alright. Let's not think about it. Let's move on. Let's move on to... Because I think as much as this was a statement win for Manchester United, this is a bit of a statement loss for, for Tottenham, in my opinion. Um, they were... They were they, they had more bite against Arsenal, to be honest, but there is a bit of a, a theme going on that up against the big teams. Um, it's, it's proven quite ineffective, their tactics. Again, they just sat deep. They invited all this pressure, hence why they had 28 shots. And when you have someone like Anthony playing against you, who loves a you know an ambitious effort, you're inviting trouble. And if not just trouble, you're inviting pressure. You're inviting the crowd to, to, to get riled up and get behind their team. Um, I just... I was hoping to see a plan B from Tottenham today because they could have played on the front foot and probably caused this United team a lot more trouble. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I thought they were, I thought they were so passive, just so, so passive, passive, so poor. They they were losing the game from about twenty minutes in. It was so evident. They offered absolutely nothing really. No ambition, mm-hmm. no pressing, no threat, and I think Conte sets them up personally like this that they're going to bully or just get through you know inferior teams that when they come up come up against supposed to be a rival they just the inferior inferiority complex is so big there um i just think they're so defensive they're so negative i can see why Tottenham fans get upset because it, they so, didn't even try to win really they just hope that harry son might do something on the break but apart from that there was not really a tangible plan eric dyer he was rubbish again another heavy touch that gave the ball away for the first goal eventually mm. he's just not very good Eric Dyer, and he's really noticeably clumsy mm. like in, in an era now where defenders are so much better at playing football and ball playing centre-backs is basically just the norm he's noticeably clumsy and I think maybe a couple of years ago it was less obvious but now he looks he looks like a defender from a different era basically like an old-fashioned 1990s centre-back who just lumps it and heads everything like John Terry or something. Doesn't oh, look like Terry was miles ahead. The modern game anymore. But you know what I mean? Like that style, John Terry being the peak and Eric Dyer being solidly middle still. But yeah. I think Eric Dyer though, he only can operate in a back three. So again, he's limited. Yeah, he's, he was playing in a back three this game. No, that's what I mean. I mean I'm not I'm just saying like in a back two, he, I've never seen him really in a back two um, because he needs that protection because he is, as you say, got he's not he's got a heavy touch and it's not the fastest. It's not the fastest on the turn by any by any means as well. So, yeah, I mean, we've never been convinced by him. And again, last night was another reason why you can't rely on him. But, yeah, I don't know. There's so much more potential. Like Son. Where was Son yesterday? Just looks completely off Isolated. it. Isolated. Isolated. No one, no one was even looking to find him, though. Like, the midfielders were sitting. 
they're basically playing with seven defenders. Exactly. It's, so it's there was back, no there was no ambition to even carry the ball forward or try a back and link five followed defense. by a back four. Then you've got Son and Kane up top. Yeah, as you say, yeah, hoping to it's, hit a counter. It's so stale. I mean, stale, it, it might work, and it did work against City, you know, last year. But it can't be relied upon. It's not. It's not like a. What's the word? It's not an identity, is it? Do you know what I mean? It should be for no. the big games where you want to seed con- seed possession, sorry, and control. You know, you should have a plan A where you're on the front foot too and dominating game, especially when you've got a squad that really is on par with Arsenal, Chelsea's, and Liverpool's. Really, do you know what I mean? That they're definitely after last summer's investment, I put them on par with all those squads. So it's the only team that doesn't, doesn't actually want to be in control of the game. It's weird. Conte's not a believer. I think he's. We know what he's like, though. Mm. He always wants more, 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 and he'll always moan and say they're not good enough. They're not good enough. Similar to Mourinho. In he's going to blame the players if they slump out, and it's all going to exactly. get turned toxic. That's the problem. But there's plenty to work with there. Plenty. They can yeah. be playing great football. Yeah. Um, Lloris had a really good game. I thought some of his saves against Rashford. I enjoyed that little duel. Some of the saves were truly, you know, exceptional. Yeah, some of those saves were outrageous. Rashford hit them very hard. Yeah, Rashford would have had a hat trick on another day. Just a good goalie, isn't it? Good goalkeeping. Um, yeah, so I felt sorry for him. I he was the only player that turned up, and he was on it same. yesterday. So two 0 flatters Tottenham. I think it could have easily been four or five. That's how bad it was. Mm. And they have Lloris solely, I think, to thank for the fact that it didn't get embarrassing. Yeah, I completely agree there. Completely agree there. A last note on the man himself the man who even when he doesn't play has to make it all about him oh, Ronaldo unbelievable big baby unbelievable off full time and leaving the stadium while his team celebrated their best performance of the season he decided he didn't want to be part of it in the dressing room I want to know the full story there was he promised that he was going to play promised that he was going to come on like well or is it literally just can't stand the fact of his team winning so he has to you know what I mean like Surely Ronaldo is not that kind of guy, but it all points to the fact that maybe he is. Um, I think I think it's very high that he he there's a very high probability that he is that kind of guy. I think either he's been promised he was going to come on, or more selfishly, he didn't like the fact that Man United were playing so well and Spurs were there for the taking, and he didn't get a chance to have a yeah, go. Yeah, you know what that what we know about Ronnie that seems the most likely, unfortunately. Because it is all about records, and maybe exactly. you know he thinks he, yeah, he, he was like, he easy goal, goal there. Mm. Yeah, it's pathetic He's though. Upset. He didn't. It's get, pathetic, isn't it's, it? It's embarrassing. As like one of the most experienced and senior players in the world, and someone who's done everything and won everything, to be that petulant and not be just happy for the team and for the the younger players in particular, how much would it mean to them for you to be in the dressing room and just be like you did amazing today? And actually give them oh, confidence. No. Instead, he's just just bringing this unnecessary, toxic discussion point. I heard he's revered by players, though. Like players, even now, won't speak ill of Ronaldo. Um, apart from Maguire, there's obviously the the famous bust up between them two. But yeah. on a whole, this kind of stuff, you know, doesn't impact his relationship with those players. But you're right. Imagine if Ronaldo tapped you on the shoulder and said you had a great game. Um, if you were a young yeah. player. Or like Rashford gave him some, you know, just... some advice like don't worry just keep plugging up. I don't know I don't know what footballers fucking talk about maybe they don't even talk to each other in the dressing room but it does just stink of sour grapes and I expect more from a 37 year old coat to be perfectly honest I agree it's time to go <laughs> it's time to go <laughs> he has, he's going to go in January it's just a question of where isn't it 
I don't know where he could yeah. go. I don't know who could afford him, and I don't even know what he it's, wants at this point. Bro, there's only one place in this world that is no longer real in this weird fanboy reality. He has to go to PSG. That's the destiny oh. of all fanboy football fans. Messi fanboys and Ronaldo fanboys and Neymar fanboys are all supporting the same club and they they can't comprehend it because they're supporting the player they hate the most. That would just be a PR exercise. It would would just be amazing. Well, let's see. Just to watch it all. That is the all or nothing that I want to watch. Yeah, fuck. I mean, PSG... Oh, I could see it in the universe if Mbappe left. Neymar. Yeah, but if Mbappe leaves, Ronaldo. They may be tempted for Ronaldo. Would anyone want Ronaldo? I don't know. I don't know. Let's just see. Let's just see. If any team's going to do it, it's PSG. But even I think they're not that mental. But I've been proven wrong before. I've got it. Right. Hot take Ronaldo to Wolves. They can't score goals. (laughs) He's Portuguese. It makes sense. Oh. You're welcome. Goodness me. Put a bell on it. Mendes, get on the phone, lad. Mate, that'd be amazing. That would actually be amazing. Yeah. Imagine if he goes there and just scores like 20 goals for them in the last six months of the season. That'd be fucking, that'd be outrageous. He's he's so on brand. He's so on brand. He is on brand, to be fair. The ultimate Portuguese footballer to step into Wolves. Exactly. They are just crying out for it as well. Maybe we should set I'm a rumour. Let's set something on Twitter, put a poll up. Yeah. Well, that's a logical transfer. But anyway, this is not that's the Ronaldo pod. Let's get off Ronaldo. Let's Let's game. Let's Wolves game. one. Crystal Palace two. If only they'd had a goal scorer, eh? If only. Nice. if only. So going into this game, I thought it had nil nil written all over it. So it was very nice to see that there was a goal and both teams hit the post within that's the first half alone. The highest scoring nice. game of the of the of the match of the match day actually. That in itself makes no sense that makes no sense <laughs> that's that shows how rubbish this this midweek was in terms of action that Wolves Palace was the spiciest game yeah that 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 is low that is low I actually have to I'm going to confess right now that I haven't actually seen this one so you're going to have to talk us through it Jack <laughs> <laughs> alright I'll, I'll just look I'll try and tee you up to say some sort of generic things. You think about generic football phrases. You yeah, I'm just I'm, like, I'm looking at the scoreline and the scorers. I'm trying to make sense of what's happened, but so, it's hard. <laughs> Both teams started quite well. There was a very nice shot from uh, Decore in the middle, which hit the post, which would have been nice. Mm. Costa came quite close early on with a toe poke, um, which was kept up by Gaita, and then... Damatre Ore scored his probably maiden goal and only goal of the season <laughs> after some really good work on the left. He just came in and scored a great header. Is this the start of a Damatre Ore? I mean, it's, I don't know why it has to be the start again because I swear to God, Traore is so effective under Nuno. And then under Bruno, he's just lost his way. And now the caretaker manager's come in and he obviously knows the value of Traore. It's just... You're falling, you're falling into the trap. You're falling into the Adama Traore trap and it's so it's so easy, it's so appealing. You look at him, he scores a goal and you think, this guy's so good at football. Imagine, he, he does this all the time. You're falling into the trap, mate. Adama Traore mate. doesn't do this very often. Mate. Look, at the end of the day, he's like the fastest in the Prem and the strongest. I mean, whether you're going to get goals or not, just chuck him in. Like, such a volatile mix. his first goal for like a year. Doesn't matter. 
does it's the intangibles, Jack. It's the fear factor that he brings on that right wing that has got the to be taken into consideration. Traore lives in the same bracket as Firmino and Welbeck. You cannot criticise him based on goals. No, it's That's not about saying. the goal output. It's about it's about fear factor. <laughs> and he it's might he might just you know scare the pants out of your team. One in fifteen games, he'll tear you apart. You know, and it could be that one in fifteen. Yeah. So, to be fair, there was one run in particular where he took the ball in his own half, ran th- past a couple of players, won a free kick on the edge of the box. Which is what he brings. Um, Neves very unfortunately struck the post with. So he does offer serious threat. And on another day, another goal and assist for the big man. My personal favourite FIFA player. So no bad bones from me, mate. No. Um, What's his space? What's, I'm, I'm happy for him. What else happened? Palace were really good, to be honest. In the second half, Palace just came alive. There was one move which didn't end in a goal, but it was it was you know when you just watch football and it's just really good. It's just really high quality, precise, good football. Mm, mm-hmm. Like Lise picks it up on the right, switches it to the left. There's a little bit of intricate play in between. Eventually, it ends up going back to Elise. He chips it over a defender. Edward goes for a bicycle kick, which just misses the goal, and you're just like, wow, these guys can play some serious football. They play it ball. Felt like yeah, they can. Like proper ballers, like in like the metal nets not nets but you know in the cages, cages. yeah like South London cage football that's what it felt like yeah I and mean then, they have those they have those players man they have so many exciting young players amen and none more exciting than Eze another goal for him get him on the plane mate I cannot keep saying it the best part is people other people are demanding it as well now Patty V's demanding it it's little whispers it's little whispers about him they discussed on match of the day. Man, I'd you love to first. see him on the plane. We Eze. did hear it here first. James Ward Prowse, get off the plane. Eze, get on the plane. That's what I think. I agree. I'm just looking at Eze now. I didn't realise he started his youth career at Arsenal. What a joke. No way. She makes me so sad. So sad. But yeah, get him on the plane. Get him on the plane because some, otherwise Nigeria might call him up and give him something to think about internationally. So... That's a really good point, actually. That's a very good point. Need to need to think about this, Gareth. Need to think about this. I agree. Just give him a for James Ward Prowse, like it's it's a no-brainer. Get rid of J, JWP, or even sacrifice a right back at this point to make space for him because he can play anywhere across the front three, can't he? I'm pretty sure he can play right or left. He play, he's played number eight for Palace, so he can Has he? play oh. both wings and as a sort of box to box. Imagine Bellingham and Eze if you're chasing a goal 20 minutes left. Yeah, Declan yeah. Rice in the middle. Ooh, it's lovely. Yeah, boy. Come on. Woo. That's what I'm saying, mate. You've got Sterling, you've got Mount on form, you've got Kane doing yeah, Kane things. Dude. Yeah. All this motion around Kane. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Kane could just literally for once stay in the box, which would be nice. That'd be good. Don't shackle Kane like that. He's never going to stay in the box anyway. I know. Gareth can't. Gareth can't manage Kane anymore. Kane does what he wants. True. True. Kane manages. Kane manages himself. <laughs> yeah. What was Zaha's um, goal like? Was it a good goal? It's just full of confidence, mate. Like he he found himself with a with a really clear shot on goal and just absolutely slapped it. Gave the keeper the eye. Slapped it the other oh, way. Oh, nice. Pace in the corner. You think like Zaha is still underrated he's playing some of his best I think he's now. an elite player he's I've, very, I've always very thought he's an elite player to be honest with you interestingly he comes out of his contract end of the year going into the next summer sorry um, 29 years old he'll be 30 by then who do you think Mate. he's going to go to 
Do you think he goes like to, to like a Liverpool? Are we talking maybe abroad? Chelsea? Are we talking those kind of teams going Chelsea in for him? Chelsea feels right, doesn't it? Chelsea, for some reason, Chelsea feels right to me. I'd love to see him go to Arsenal. Fighting Martinelli for that left-hand side. That would be good. That'd and be I'd zesty. like to see that. To be honest, though, why not just go abroad? Mm. You know, go to Ajax or go to, fuck you know, AC Milan. AC, like, if they sold Liao, like everyone keeps talking about. And get a good five years in Italy... I think that's a lovely move potentially yeah yeah either way I don't think he's sticking around Palace he's he's too good for Palace and he has been for years he's an icon though he could be like the Letizia of Palace I know but he you know, still deserves 20 years still he deserves it he deserves just to play in the Champions League of course he does of course he does he, he really does he does his career has been he hasn't fulfilled how good he is in terms of what he's the opportunities he's had like some Agreed. players like Chupa Moting have got like fucking league title after league title how Chupa Moting has managed his career is uh, it's pretty ingenious to be honest yeah I'm super impressed I by think that he might, I think he might be a politician and not a footballer he must have something moves. he must have something on all these big teams he's still at Bayern you know he's still scoring goals off the bench for Bayern no, I think it's honestly amazing it's like he was just he just played for Stoke for a bit and we were like yeah he's alright he's fine serviceable it would just be like if um, oh, we always forget his name who's that big guy who plays for Bournemouth it would just be like him if he just suddenly moved to PSG or Bayern and then was just there as a squad player do you know what I mean yeah it's just, no it's it, is, random. it is it's, it's random as fuck it's random as fuck it is it is um, but I mean credit credit to where it's due I uh, I rate that from Chupo meeting. Big boy. Right. On to the next one and then we'll take a little break. Yeah? Sounds good to me, mate. Liverpool won. West Ham nil. Mm, another game. Another clean sheet. Another 1-0 win. You must be feeling very, very happy. This. It's exactly the kind of result you need. I love it, mate. Just back points to basics. 4-4-2. 1-0 wins. Solid at the back. A clean sheet with Trent back in the team. I know. I know, I and Gareth in the stands as well. Gareth. I think it, there's a lot more protection for the fullbacks in the new system, and we are lumping it noticeably more long. Before we used to literally play possession-based football and just squeeze into the opposition half and have Van Dijk and Matip basically just sitting on the halfway line. So any ball over the top, you know, Trent's way up there, Robertson's way up there. Now we're sitting a lot further back. We're sitting with always at least sort of. I three know the high line's half. gone, which is shocking, isn't it? You guys almost invented that high line. Yeah, we pushed it too far. It turns out it always did look like a precariously high line, and as soon as the form dropped, it fell apart. Mm. It really fell apart. It makes sense. But be conservative. Back I mean, to basics. realistically, you could have got two or three. I know they could have got one or two as well, um, but you know you're still creating enough chances that if you're more clinical you can you can yeah. concede having a lower line which I think is completely fair um, yeah I agree you know we're, we're not there we're not confident enough at high line that is a no. major and you know confidence kind of strat maybe Trent feels better with a lower line as well maybe Trent just doesn't want this high line anymore he was still a bit ropey yesterday I have to say there were a couple moments um, but on the whole he was much more solid and I think that breakout the team really did help him out I agree I agree but I think 
my standout player, and Ali McCoist disagrees with me, but my standout <laughs> player was Darwin Nunes. I thought he was electric in this game. Just a really fun player. He's definitely growing on me game by game. Is he left-footed or right-footed? I thought he was right-footed. So do I. It seems like he's left-footed because most of the... And to be clear, every single opportunity he had was wildly, wildly different. Mm. So there's a variety of different techniques there. I feel like the one that summed him up best was the sort of volley that he hit with his left foot for about 20 yards. Yeah, yeah. The dipping So good. And then the follow-up with his right foot, which went out for a throw-in, that he, he literally shanked so bad. So you can't be right foot. I Yeah, I saw that. He can't, can't be right foot. I just assumed he was right footed for some reason. Same. But, you know, he scored the winning goal with a good header. He generally looked extremely threatening, and I think he's going to make it. I think this guy's going to be good in the end. He's got the unfortunate comparison of being Haaland, Haaland's direct rival. And it's not a nice comparison because... There's not a single player who looks good in that comparison. And it is a new league. He's stepping up again from playing in the Portuguese league, having only played there for two seasons. And he is a, he's a little raw, but I like him. I'm a fan, and I think he'll work out well. Yeah. I mean, look, some of those shots were lethal. Like that, that volley hit the post as well on another day that just goes in. Um, just need to see more of that from him, really. But with every game, it's ticking along nicely. I think Klopp's managed him quite well, and... I think it's just unfair that Haaland's come in the same season because all the strikers are being compared to it like Gabby Jesus is it's just not really a fair comparison um, completely it's different right, situations man. it's not right it's not on but it was a good win for Liverpool and although I do feel like second half West Ham were unlucky not to get an equaliser you know, even forgetting oh, mate, the pen plenty of chances plenty West of Ham chances bad luck curse continues I've, I've said it for a while I think West Ham are the unluckiest team this season and just sums it up really they had a penalty which we'll talk about whether it should have been, but they had a penalty which was saved by Allison, um, And then there was that last-minute chance for Suchek where he basically... Oh, yeah, the block from Mills. James Milner yeah. with the the most brilliant interception, really, yeah. I've seen in a while. And that just sums him up, really. James Milner, baller. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a real game-changing opportunity, that. It looked so, like a dead-on goal as well, so yeah, credit it was a uh, could have been very different and I I do think if, if we conceded then that would have really that would have really stamped all these small shoots of recovery after this ropey start we're still quite fragile so we needed the clean sheet I think that yeah I think you've just got a, you've just got to grind out results at this point forget <clears throat> you know like Frida wins beautiful wins just get the wins and then everything else will come you know it got to that point with you guys where it was like we can't continue the way we're going and it's a results business um, and things are looking so much rosier in the table. Two games, two wins. Suddenly it's not looking so bleak. Um, and that top seven, top seven now is really shaping up. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I did I did look at that and I was like, it's nice. This is the first time the top seven started to form of Newcastle, the new entrant, the new mm-hmm. Leicester in that huddle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Liverpool up seventh. Only four points behind Chelsea, amazingly, in fourth. So despite this absolute nightmare and meltdown the chase is very much on uh, nothing's nothing's you know nothing's um, done for 10 games into the season but it's just, it's just important that you keep getting some wins now um, and keep chugging away and hopefully no more injuries for Liverpool because they have been unlucky a quick word on West Ham I mean I think they'll be fine but I think so far the season's a bit of a disappointment for them I think ultimately I'd agree building I for think the last they'll be really unlucky though 
there they are have. They many have. decisions and karma that just seems to go against them every game. I don't really know why or what they did to deserve it, but yeah, I felt I felt happy that we were playing West Ham at this point when they're in this weird funk where just everything goes against them. And of course they got a penalty, and of course they missed the penalty. That's just that's just West Ham summed up right now. Mm. Um, even when things go their way, it doesn't work out. It was a good save from Allison. What do you think? What do you think about the penalty? I thought it was really light, and maybe I'm being biased here, but I didn't think it was a penalty personally. It's weird now. I, like, if you watched the Tottenham game yesterday, then I'd guarantee it probably wouldn't have been given as a penalty. But that's just the way the match was being refed. Whereas, I think it was a. I mean, like, like the same way, like Gabby Jesus's was a pen, and like Harry Kane's against Everton a couple of last last weekend was a pen technically. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's soft, and he's looking for it, but there is still the right amount of contact for that to be given. I think it'd be more controversial oh, not know. to have given it. I mean, it's like a big guy contesting for a ball with someone quite small, and one goes with their leg, and one just yeah, it's just I don't know. It, to me, it seemed really light, so I was pleased that it didn't work out because to me, it was no different from Anthony Gordon getting pushed over. It's Newcastle. Minimal contact, fell over. Yeah, there was a bit. There was a bit of legs touching, wasn't there? It's too light. It's all too light for me. I think to get a penalty, it should be like a foul that's justifiably bad. Like just oh, things like it's this. hard it's though, just, isn't I've, it? Because players are looking I'd for it. I'd love to see so the stats like, though of how many penalties have been different. given this season already. Yeah, you well, think it feels like a lot. Every, every every game people begging for pens every game I watch it's just become a massive part of football where you yeah, know, there's always now three or four penalty appeals per game on average yeah. it feels like and it's like any handball can be a penalty grappling any grappling is a penalty like and now any tackle where if you just come into contact with someone it could be a penalty so well you know people not? people always try and abuse a system and I think VAR has created that kind of system where you know, they know it's going to a different referee. So if they can make it look convincing, then it, you know they could get a pen. And yeah, I agree. If, I don't know the stats, but if you looked at the averages, I'm sure the amount of penalties per game, I'm sure that shot up this season. Um, but again, it all boils back to the VAR refereeing, isn't it? It's all subjective. Uh, and there's not enough clarity on what is a distinct, you know, what is an absolute foul and what isn't. But I, I don't know. I feel like if that was given against me, you'd be annoyed, but you could... You know, it wasn't like an absolute travesty, shall we say. It's like the Gabby Jesus one no. against Liverpool when Thiago kind of touched his leg and then he went over. It's not, it was very soft, but it is still technically a penalty, you know. I think my, my beef of it is always this. If the foul is reversed, if Jared Bowen, you know, legs, his leg hits Joe Gomez while he's trying to make a, a challenge, is it a free kick? Absolutely fucking not. But then he also got the other side of Joe Gomez as well. Do you know what I mean? This like, is just him putting his body in between him and the yeah, ball. Yeah, but Joe Gomez, but Joe Gomez comes across him. and gets the ball. There's so it's, many it's, things. There's so many things. Joe Gomez you know was what? like out of position. He comes across him. I think that's probably probably why it got given. It doesn't matter, does it? It's One just, nil, mate. It doesn't. It, it doesn't matter exactly. But yeah, bit of fucking consistency, please. That's all we want. There is none. Anyway, there's, there's none. we'll look in. We'll look into that. Uh, whatever we just said. Penalty, average penalties per game or whatever whatever fucking statistic that was we'll have a look at that during the break and we will update you when we get back 
Welcome back to From the Backseat Football Podcast. Me and Jack did some digging. Current match week, sorry. Uh, total penalties awarded is 2.6. Last season average per match week is 2.68. So completely comparable. We don't know what we're talking about. We're just going to move on very quickly. And by moving on quickly, next game we've got is Newcastle 1, Everton 0. Um, not a lot to say about this game. Newcastle very hard to break down. Everton didn't really have much of an answer for them, to be honest with you. Newcastle just looking too solid, too sturdy. And a wonder goal as well from our favourite Miggy Almiron. So, Jack, what do you reckon? Take it away. Well, mate, I agree with your, I agree with what you said. Newcastle don't concede goals, and that's quite a rare commodity in this season. Mm. So, I reckon if they keep this up and just be hard to beat, we assume they'll probably add another attacker in January. I think they've nailed on for the Champions League based on that form. Because if you have the best defensive record, you usually end up pretty high up. So That's a good point. And it's not like they're playing defensive football. They're playing attacking football as well. Um, Almiron, mate, what can we say about Almiron? I think Almiron this season is Eddie Howe's greatest success at Newcastle yeah, so Yeah, for real. Like of all the things he's done well, this is, this is the pinnacle. This is his uh, crowning glory. Because... Almiron, this is a great stat because of the history with Grealish. <laughs> Almiron has got more goals in the Prem this season, five, than Salah and Grealish, three and one combined. <laughs> Lol. What the fuck is up with that? Jack Grealish started to and feel he got very streamer in this game. Yeah, he did. He did. And I was saying to you off, off camera, it was very reminiscent of Santiago Munez's goal in goal, <laughs> the movie. Uh, who was also, you know, a central slash South American player who moved to Newcastle. I'm pretty sure it was like the same corner as well. So, yeah, it was great. So what you're saying is, we are actually living in we, a false reality. We are. It's official. Or just some amazing foreshadowing. Like we've seen this one. Yeah, I, exactly. Probably. Exactly. This has been telegraphed about 15 years ago in a Hollywood film. <laughs> so we're literally watching a remake of movie. I mean, if you want to take it further, you could almost argue that Almiron had the same character arc as well as Santiago Munez in the film, which is he struggled initially I agree. to uh, to adapt. And now, as you say, this is the season where he's really flourishing. I think respect to him as well, he... because I'm trying to think of Newcastle's team. A lot of it is post-Saudi takeover. You know, a lot of the players have now been, you know, revamped from, from Mike Ashley days to the Saudi takeover. But he still remains. And... Yeah, you know, well, there's a lot of players place. there from the Steve Bruce era, and Steve Bruce was complaining that they weren't good enough. Yeah, well, there you so, go. Almiron, Almiron was the last big money signing um, that I think Ashley made. So, do you think Almiron, speaking about goal a bit more, do you think he's ever just been in the gym and he's been like doing the leg machine <laughs> and, and he's been like doing maybe like 30, 30 kg? Yeah. And Dan Byrne comes in, whacks it all the way up to 120. Yeah. And he just felt really bad about himself. Well, what he's done is he's condensed all the hard work into a six-minute montage. Um, and this is <laughs> this is the result. <laughs> this is the result for Alvaron. It's phenomenal. Do you think there's been some sort of extremely English stereotypical football players just been like, mate, just go home. Go <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, that yeah. he's dealt with some xenophobia. <laughs> <laughs> he's just done all of yeah. it in one short month. He's also done obviously a run across a very wet and windy day on the Geordie Beach um, <laughs> in a hoodie. <laughs> yeah, Steve Bruce just castigating yeah. the side and acknowledge that he Mickey, is indeed man up, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, he's acknowledged he's far from home, but that isn't going to break him, and he's doing it. He's doing it for his family. So, mate, love that character arc from him, Jack Relish. Where are you, mate? 
where are you? Like, exactly. I actually think that may be where the catalyst you, where, for for a good weekend, he was a laughing stock. Everyone was taking the piss out of him, and since then, he's just come back with no mercy. No mercy. That's the real question. In a one-off game, who would you rather have right now? Oh, Jack Greenish or... Almiron, every day of the week. <laughs> every day of the week. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just got that burning desire when we're actually being serious about him. Like, if you did compare him to Jack Greenish, you could say, like, his commitment levels are way higher than Greenish's. Um, and yeah, because his talent is less, but he's making the most yeah, of it. I mean, yeah. you, you see him when he plays, though. Like, even in this game, there's, like, little, like chop backs or like back heels or just like playing like the perfect ball at the perfect time it's like someone who they feel comfortable on the stage they're on now and they feel they feel like they can do what they actually want and it's the right thing to yeah do. So panicking and trying to do too much think of like that it's goal just, he's there now. exactly that's that's perfect the way it perfectly summed up like look at his goal yesterday Almiron in his first season would have like taken two more touches and then absolutely spanked that to, to Rosette um but he's just, you know, he's filling himself at the moment, man. He just strokes that in. You know, he's trusting his ability and, um, yeah, long may it continue. I love it's to a see good it. redemption. I'll arc. be honest, I'd, I'd love to see it. It's a great arc. Like, any player who comes back from the brink, and, you know, we were even saying that's the next position to replace. I know. In this Newcastle I know. rebuild. I know. It seems logical. But now I'm looking at that left side, like, mm, so Maximan, you're a bit injury prone, bro. Mm, so Maximan's probably fearing the worst and, Rightfully so. I mean, who have they got left at the moment? Is it Jacob Murphy? I don't know a lot about Jacob Murphy. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, Almiron's looking safe as houses in terms of his, you know, position in the squad. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought that it? Thirty mil or twenty mil, whatever it was, looking like a snip, a snip, a snip. But they have the faith of him. Whether they, you know, had a choice to stick with him as long as they did, they have done. So credit where credit is due. Although yeah. I have to say, um, Harrison, if you're listening. I know you do hate it when I wax lyrical about Newcastle, so I just want to say we're going to end it there. Up Sunderland, the best part of the North East. Um, yeah, sorry, I just had to put that in. I got I got told off. I got told off recently for just saying too much love for, for Newcastle United. <laughs> I think that's very salty from a team that you know if they get if they if they have a good season this season, we could wax lyrical about them. But until then, stay in your lane, bro. Just stay in your lane. <laughs> there's going to be a, a prem podcast. There's going right? to be a renaissance for Sunderland, but right now it's not your moment. It's not your moment, guys. Until the stadium of light is back in the big leagues, stay in your lane. <laughs> they need their own big armor. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, they do. They're doing all right, to be fair, Sunderland. But anyway, it's not about them. It's about Bruno Gimrej. He's so good at football. He's so special. He is he's good. Just so good. He is very good. He's very, very he, good at football. He, he's just noticeably better than all the players on both sides most games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's made that midfield his own. And this game was no different. It was no different. You know, Everton defenders and midfielders were getting pulled left, right, and centre. And he would just bypass them. You know, it's like he's a puppet master. And he's like, I need that space. I need you to come over mm. here a little bit because I really need that space. And then he's like, thank you lays it on for someone else he is just and yeah relentless in the middle and I really love watching him to be honest again hate to say it I just love watching him as a player he could could walk into any midfield in the Prem he's that good and I think the first true superstar that that Newcastle signed I know they have like Alexander Isaac now and you could argue Trippier but it does feel like Gimrash is the catalyst for for levelling up at Newcastle to be honest with you 
Here's a hot take for you. On current form, is he the best midfielder in the league after De Bruyne? Oof. Maybe after Granit Xhaka. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> I know... Gran- Granit is no longer a midfielder. Granit is unchained. Granit is basically a forward at this point. Yeah, I think I think he's up there for for how effective Bruno is. In fact, yeah, fuck it, fuck it, because he does everything. He he tackles, he presses, he can score, he can pass. I don't th- I don't think there's a more complete midfielder. Maybe De Bruyne, maybe De Bruyne, but even De Bruyne is more attacking than Bruno. Bruno just seems so balanced to to sit in the prem. Bit of like a Roy Keane slash slash Patty Vieira, just marshalling things. Um, yeah, I was gonna. With I was facts. going to chuck Thomas Partey into conversation, but I don't think he does enough attacking, attacking-wise, to to actually compete with him. So, I think, unfortunately, that is a biased view. Oh no, because I don't think Partey's... anybody. Oh, sorry, I am getting a bit biased. If you ask anyone, if you ask anyone from another club who their top five midfielders were, Partey would not be mentioned in any of those. And therefore, whether we're wrong or not, it's a biased view. Yeah, there's an argument for that. I think. I mean, Partey's defensive stats are crazy this season, but I think Bruno brings way more than just defending, which is why you can't even compare the two. So I think, yeah, I would say that Bruno's probably a more well-rounded uh, midfielder. So therefore, by default, maybe yes. Maybe yes, as a hot take, yeah. Ironically, I could totally have seen him as an Arsenal player, and I'm sure you were, in, you were linked with him. There was, so yeah, there was loose, loose rumours. Um, I'm a bit upset I mean we definitely could have used a player like him in the midfield but you can't have all of them sadly nah on to the Anthony Gordon penalty I mean two points first it's a penalty based on the absolute low bar rubbish that I've seen if you push someone it's a pen those are the rules apparently so I thought it was a penalty but if I'm looking at it in a not stupid view of the current lens it's just a normal challenge really and he's just made the most of it and he's got a reputation for diving yeah, so I, I can think, see why it's been given as a dive but I think it's that I thought it was no worse than Joe Gomez's challenge so I don't see why it's not a penalty I think Anthony Gordon's reputation is starting to play against him already to be perfectly honest with you it's funny that isn't it yeah he's built up this reputation in quite a short period of time then you've got the master Harry Kane who's been doing it for years under the radar he, he needs some refinement to his diving game if he's going to do it it needs to be less obvious yeah, too much too soon for young Anthony. Um, yeah, he got it way too. He got it way. He did way too many dives, way too early. Um, and once you pick up that that idea that you're a bit of a dive where you go down easy, it's a very hard thing to shake. Even if like like yesterday, yeah. what I would consider probably quite a legitimate penalty claim, that will go against you, you know. Um, yeah. And he needs to wisen up to that. But like you said, it was pretty soft, but it's just been maddeningly inconsistent hasn't it recently so it's impossible to say for sure um, what is a penalty and what isn't they could all be penalties or they could all not be penalties and I think that's the wor- worrying bit it's all just down to that's, s- that's my worry Yeah, it's just every game there's two penalties now for each team which you're just like well that's my penalty come yeah. on like, I'm owed one I've played a game of football give me my penalty yeah. that guy got grabbed earlier that guy got pushed over yeah. blah 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 that's why referees have Stupid. to be I think like I have to praise the referee at Man United Tottenham yesterday because, you know, in that game there could have been a couple of penalties, not penalties, but he just let it he let it go, and I think that's the precedent you have to set, isn't it? I think we just have to let let things kind of go a bit more, and players need to adapt. But yes, that's the I only totally way because that was that's a good way of doing it because if you let more stuff go, 
then players will spend less time looking for stuff because they realise that they need to get back in position. Yeah. So by letting the game flow, you also reduce the noise around all these appeals. By stopping for each one, you amplify it and you magnify it. And that causes a problem with all these stupid, like, minimal contact decisions. Just just get rid of them. Just let yeah, them I agree. I agree. I mean, it's like not a clear foul. And we always know when a clear foul comes in. But then do we? I almost feel like what we need to consider with penalties now is had they not have been fouled or obstructed from their movement, yeah. how much of a Would threat, you know what I mean? How much of a threat to the goal exactly. there actually was? Um, I think that needs to be considered into penalties now as well. Because if they're on the edge of the box yeah. and they're turning away and they've you know, done a Harry Kane and they've just flopped, there is contact. But, you know, there's like four or five men behind the ball. Or behind, you know what I mean? And it's kind of ridiculous. Like He wasn't going to get a clear chance anyway. Um, and it may just I stop agree. that simulation side of things, but who bloody knows, eh? Yeah, I agree. A last note on Everton, comprehensively outplayed, outfought, generally quite poor. And I think it just shows the difference between joined up thinking at the top of their clubs. That Newcastle have a clear strategy on transfers and direction and coaching and the profile of players that they want and how they want to get to where they want to be. And Everton were the opposite. And you can see that these two clubs exist in the sort of same sphere of big club with good potential to challenge the top six moving in very different directions because of poor leadership at the top yeah I think we praised Frankie maybe about a month ago and since then he's lost everything so he look he has a young squad and same as Arsenal there's going to be times where they make mistakes I think they just need to be a bit more joined up and clinical I think there is a nucleus for a good squad which is it's been a long time since we said that about Everton I look at that midfield Mm -hmm. you know we spoke about before Drissa Gay Iwobi um, who's the other fella in the field Onana Onana looks good you know the defence they've got a good spine yeah the defence looks good the fullbacks are great you know Ryan Patterson's going to be good I think it's Mikolenko at the left back he's pretty good as well DCL to come back I'm not convinced by DCL that DCL played this game oh, he did it didn't look great I mean he's going to take a while for him obviously. isn't it he's been off for a while so I can understand that it's a tough one because how many games can you afford him to get up to full fitness when you've got Mope who could make an instant impact that's a tough one when you're in yeah but I think if you're Frankie who do you want firing at full cylinders Mope or, or DCL I think you'd take DCL wouldn't you yeah you would but I think maybe just 4-4 four, four to it for now yeah yeah I mean Anthony Gordon and him on paper would be a good partnership but yeah I think I think Everton they can't worry about their ending position this year and just focus on developing as a team and you know working under Lampard style whatever that may be um, and mm-hmm. just consolidating obviously it would be top 10 yeah. if you can but I think in Everton's position anything's better than the, the horrors of last year so agree just stay out of the yeah of just develop progress. just a, a less traumatic season mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one that's not so many highs and lows just kind of middling um, and if that sounds unambitious then I'm sorry it's unambitious it is what it is um, right on to the next one Brentford nil Chelsea nil this is where we get into the proper yeah okay goodness me it was quite a good game wasn't it it was quite a good game all things considered I would say this is the first game where Graham Potter has made an obvious mistake because we know how much he likes to tinker with the personnel and even the formations game to game but in this one from what I could work out he had like Conor Gallagher or Mason Mount on the right and sort of alternating Broya for his first start through the middle and then Havertz sort of floaty left winger cam inside forward guy and basically what he's done 
He's taken out the two biggest goal threats, which is Sterling and Aubameyang. He's already lost the other one, which is Reese James. And then he's just put three players that haven't ever played together as a forward line and asked them to make something happen against what is essentially five mm. in the back against Brentford. And they're an organised unit, Brentford, so they're no joke. And yeah, Chelsea looked really disjointed in the first half and have Kepa to thank, basically, for it being nil-nil. Yeah, agreed on Kepa. He is really turning a new leaf um, but I, I saw that Potter said he chose Breuer because he wanted Breuer's physicality because he felt up against Brentford he would have more chance than maybe Auburn Sterling but I was disproved because he did have a couple moments in the first half and maybe that one where he just beat Ben Mee completely Ben Mee by the way just can't move <laughs> that was so weird <laughs> that, that shocked me I couldn't work out what I was seeing whether Bro- Breuer is like the, far, yeah. the fastest player in the league or Ben Mee is like Murtasaka levels of pace I can't work it out it's probably somewhere in between but yeah that that shocked me that yeah Ben Mee I think every every attacker in the Premier League coming up against Brentford is going to look at that and think oh, bloody hell didn't realise that because I certainly didn't um, but in that chance and I, I think we'll have to put it down to being rusty and not playing a lot of game or not having a lot of game time but he probably should have squared it um, it was an easy easy pass yeah. wasn't there for Havertz I've never game. seen I think it was Mason who was calling for it originally and I yeah. could see Mason go fuming and if you've made Mason Mount upset At then this, you've, you must have really fucked up you know so but this is it the lack of chemistry amongst them because I think if you play yeah. with them you know where they are it's instinctive and I think that was the issue yeah is that you just changed too much and compounded by the fact that Chelsea actually got a lot better when Pulisic and Sterling came on so when they reverted to more natural normal sort of wingers in their attacking lineup, they started to turn the screw and almost won it so yeah. I think he wasted too much time playing too many players that don't really know each other properly yeah Brentford were unlucky not to win it had a number of chances and even like we can praise Kepper, but there were some where had they had, had Brentford hit it either side of the keeper then they would have scored easy so I think they they have to go home and hold. You know, I would be annoyed if I was a Brentford fan yeah. because actually they could have beaten Chelsea. They, the clear chances outweighed what Chelsea had on Brentford's side. Um, yeah, I agree. On another day, I think Brentford could have nicked it because Chelsea were just a bit out of sorts, a bit disjointed. So the draw is probably a fair result, but I think both teams will feel like it's a wasted opportunity. Ultimately. Replacing Rhys James is going to be Potter's biggest task pre World Cup between now and then. Um, I think he has to stop with the Aspilicueta experiment and maybe look towards. Well, it's Ruben Loftus Cheek who's kind of doing it yesterday. That is what I suspected. Yeah, he has I was done thinking of that when I watched it. You did say this, but he's just like he's a poor man's Reese James. You know, it's not his position Ev- at the end. Exactly, it's not. It's not a slight. It's just it's not his position clearly. In the same way that Reese James knows exactly what to do as a right wing back. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. they were looking a bit scary. To be honest, the last couple bits of form, so I'm glad they've they've had a pause. Um, yeah, a little bit too much tinkering. It reminds me of Benitez back in the day, where every game, no matter what, he would just tinker for the sake of it, and it would just lead to sort of stuttery form. Sometimes maybe he's a bit spooked. It's like, it's like the polar opposite of Arsenal. But Arsenal don't change their yeah, team. Yeah, but he's had he's had quite a bit of injuries. I can understand, you know, when people start dropping like flies. Yeah, to rest just, Sterling, oh. to rest Sterling, I think is too much if you change your whole front line it's like for example right picture this it's the weekend and Arsenal have just played in the Europa League and the starting the starting forward line is like Smith Rowe and Ketia and fuck no someone else who I've never heard of and, and Pepe like you'd be like 
what the hell's this? Like, where's Martelli? Where's Jesus? Where's Saka? That's basically what oh, he's done. I don't know if that's quite, that's quite fair. I mean... It's not... Maybe that's not fair, but you get what I mean. Like, I do, it's, but... It's, it's unnecessarily risky. I'd still think the team on a day Chelsea could have easily won. Like, you know, if we're talking... If we're being really, really... The only that, one you'd swap is Breuer for either Orba or Sterling. Otherwise, it's pretty much a full-strength Chelsea team still. So, you would probably not play Havertz and Breuer. Like, it's one or the other, surely. So it's like you've got two forwards and then Mount who sort of does a bit of everything then Gallagher who's just a bit of everything. There's no defined wingers in this formation. Yeah, Ruben Loftus-Cheek was like furthest on the right and it's, Mason Mount was actually on the left. Brighton. Weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I still feel nil-nil against Brentford's a good result. So let's not forget it they is. are a hard game, especially away from home. They are, but I think they're deceptive in that they actually don't win as many games as we think. They've only got two wins in eight. No, but they arguably could have won yesterday quite easily, Um, if not for Kepa. Yeah, I'd like to end on Kepa because I was saying he was rubbish. Are you going to apologise? He was rubbish. That was factually accurate. He was definitely one of the worst goals I've ever seen. This is not this is not the same Kepa anymore. This well, is maybe the Kepa we saw, more, you know, wasn't the real Kepa because there's a reason that they paid seventy more, mil. He's more refined. He's more refined now. He's like maybe he's just matured and he's just had some time to reflect and stop being such a such a sport little guy at the time. But now there's a maturity to his game. Like he just seems really assured and really good. And he's got five clean sheets in a row, which is honestly really impressive and he's playing in front of a defence that not only changes in personnel every week but changes in formation sometimes it's a three sometimes it's a four sometimes it's Chalava sometimes it's Koulibaly sometimes Fafana so the fact that he's holding it down and getting clean sheets every game the fact it's totally different people around him is very impressive and don't think many people could do that so fair play Kepa put well some done, respect on his name number one. for realsies you deserve that number one jersey yeah I mean yeah, I've been super impressed with him, and you know he's got good distribution. Like you say, he just needs to keep his head not flap too much. Uh, but yeah, he's still young, mate. He could still have you know ten years at the top, easy. So yeah, yeah, exciting times, exciting times for Chelsea. I think you know sacking Tuchel is is vindicated, despite the result. Obviously, it's not the best one that Potter's had, but yeah, credits to Big Todd. I think he was decisive, and it was the right decision. Get rid of the sentiment- yeah, sentimentality oh. for a second. Anyway, I feel like I'm praising Chelsea too much. Let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, next game. Brighton nil, Nottingham Forest Woo-hoo. nil. Two clubs with very different transfer strategies. One buys very few players you've never heard of and slowly implements them over a period of time. One buys all the players you've heard of and plays them every fucking week at willy-nilly. So yeah, surprisingly it was nil-nil. I suppose if you really think about it, it's Brighton who stopped scoring goals and Forrest who are just a bit rubbish. Yes. Yeah, I mean, every kind of, every passing result with Brighton, I do worry. I do worry about them. Um, I feel like it must be really deflating as a Brighton team. Like, you've been coached this method for so long and you finally, as a team, as a unit, starting to reap the the benefits of, of the stability that having this really talented manager. And then it just gets plucked from you. And then you have to forget everything and then restart with a whole... I know this is this is not unique to Brighton. I think they were in fourth 
when Potter was there and they were playing some of the best yeah. football in the league and now they've just got to rip it all up and start again um, that's just that's so sad isn't it <laughs> I do feel bad for him it is, it is so sad it's so sad because you felt like they were on the cusp of doing something truly amazing mm-hmm. their best ever season for sure and yeah change of direction I don't think Deserby's looking to change too much but it's just going to be different isn't it happening. it's always just going to be different um, especially when Potter was there for a number of years which is unheard of in the Prem so yeah I mean he will be Deserby will be fuming not to win this yeah. game again yeah. Brighton were totally dominant thought Trossard was good he hit the crossbar early on and he is arguably Brighton's only goal threat based on current form it's hard um, to argue with unfortunately, that unfortunately for them Dean Henderson just had a really good game again I do want to caveat this and I've said it before when you play Brighton because they're so profligate they do make opposition goalies look good and I think Henderson did get he did have a really good game but mm. Brighton do make you look better than you are because they're so bad at being clinical in front of goal Yeah, like they'll get shots on target but they'll be nice shots they won't be you know unerring unsable finishes they'll be shots on target and I guess once you get into a zone as a goalie making saves every 15 or 10 minutes 10-15 minutes it's probably actually quite nice you probably get into a certain state where you're just like you're fully focused just saving all these shots and you're unbeatable mm. it's funny Henderson always looks great when he's not playing for United as soon as he starts playing for United he looks very average but um, mm. there, as you say there are caveats though I mean if you're Forrest and you've probably got one of the worst defensive records in the league then you're going to face a, a more number of shots and then by default as a, especially as a goalkeeper I suppose you only improve as a goalkeeper if you're facing loads of shots in yeah. terms of you just look better though when you're making loads yeah, of shots yeah exactly like, exactly if you watch these games you would look at it and be like wow this Henderson guy he's all over the place he's like the best yeah. in the league but he's facing 20 shots every game so exactly yeah and as we know, it's about the one truly exceptional moment. Yeah, in 180 like, minutes. That's the moment not even you need to say, yeah. Maybe over 270 minutes, like Edison for City, they'll have to pull yeah, off one that world. Singular moment. And that's more important than pulling yeah. off what Henderson's doing, yeah. I mean, it sounds like we're really shooting on Henderson here, but not. It's just, it is interesting with goalies. It's, you have to look at it a lot differently, don't you? Yeah. You can get skewed mm. in the way you look at them. And we've done it before. Minulet at Sunderland, best goal in the league. Pickford at Sunderland, best goal. Yeah. What do they have in common? Sunderland were fucking horrible at football those years. They yeah, conceded yeah, so yeah. many shots on goal. Yeah, exactly. So no, neither of them, neither of them were as good as they looked at Sunderland since then. Pickford sometimes, but you know what I mean. Flatters to deceive. So anyway, Henderson was good. Hundred percent for us. His best signing in the summer is is him. Agreed. Um, Agreed. There's one one moment in the second half where. Brendan Johnson was breaking forward and there's not a single Forest player even entered Brighton's half to support him. They just left him. So Forest came to not lose in this game and they'll be pleased with their point, but sad for Brighton. Yeah, just, he needs to get a win to Zerby, just so he can like I bet the players are probably still looking at him like, mate, when are we gonna get a win? You know, like Yeah. It's a hard act to But follow. then he's just probably looking at them, just like fucking score then. Yeah, literally, literally. literally. One time. Literally. I'm looking at you, Welbeck. One time. Just, just score once, just Welbeck. One just score once. In fact, let me have a quick look at Welbeck's record since he's been at Brighton because I bet it's poor. Don't, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's very good. I love Welbeck. I think he's very as well. on brand. I fucking Welbeck. love Daniel Welbeck. 
everyone likes Welbeck because he's not a threat, mate. He's just a nice guy who works hard. He was a threat for us. Yeah, I, literally. If you had to give a ratio, and this has followed him pretty much his whole life. That's actually, this is crazy. If you had to give Danny Welbeck a ratio, like one in X amount of games, what would that number be? I'd say one in eight. One in eight, okay. So really, I'm looking at it, and this is just kind of ballpark, but it's about one in five. And that's exactly where I expect him to be. 59 appearances for Brighton, 12 goals. Arsenal, 88 appearances, 16 goals. Man United, 92 appearances, 20 goals. So it is literally between one in four, one in five. So he's he's consistent with it. <laughs> he's not a goal scorer. I've done, him, I've, done him, I've done him a disservice there. I was thinking one in ten, but I was trying to be nice. Duh, that is so, so. harsh. <laughs> <laughs> that is so harsh. But yeah, I just he's that a good guy. lad. He's only thirty-one as well. I just don't understand how that's a thing. That's crazy. I don't know. He's he's had a weird career because he's another one who's had a career which I think is too good for how average he is as a striker. I think it's because he's, he's such a good guy. Too many games. Yeah, I know. But like, put it this way: if he hadn't started at Man United and he come through at like Coventry and he was getting sort of eight goal, like ten goals in League Two or League One, because it's the same record, no one would have ever picked him up. He'd, he'd just be the Championship player the whole time, wouldn't he? Yeah, would be like Che Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. It's just it's because he did the Man United into Arsenal. That's accumulatively yeah. almost what eleven years at these two big clubs so yeah. you just get the idea mate he had 42 caps for England can we just add <laughs> he's a good player I mean what on earth what on earth was going on where the fuck were the options can you imagine Wells getting in the squad no now? exactly chance, but then mate. I don't know maybe we're just missing something mate maybe there's something in Welbeck's play like who knows cause it's possible it's too many people being... selected him do you know what it probably was right it's an era where not everyone was good at pressing so being a really mm. hard worker and pressing a lot was actually like a, a unique talent well now it's a minimum expectation I would bracket him as with like Theo Walcott he's that kind of player nah Theo Walcott way better what I don't view it Theo. like that that's so weird I just don't view it like that really yeah I think Theo Walcott is much more much better much more Mind successful you. much more dangerous yeah. much more talented to be honest I actually looked at a record of of, of like who's for Arsenal who's scored the most goals against the top 6 since 2010 when the top 6 was kind of first established and it's Theo fucking Walcott mate <laughs> he's, he's a big game player came out of nowhere do you know so. what it's like we were talking about the other day man like Mary Goetze is a victim of his, his own success and Walcott's the same kind of character mm where there was too much hype about him. Mm. And if he just come through, like Welbeck, not too much hype, scoring like 10, 15 goals a season, sometimes more, just generally looking really good. I mean, he's miles better than, I don't know, like Aaron Lennon, for example, I think. But you probably put them in the same bracket in your head in terms of players who probably could have done more. Just because we thought he was going to be the best player of all time. So I think I think we view him unfairly. I think Walcott was really good, actually. Yeah. Under the world-class bracket like below that level for sure but yeah he's barely featured one, one, this one season one. in fact moving on to to Walcott's club oh, that was an awful segue <laughs> 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 Bournemouth nil Southampton won <laughs> um, fuck me. that was uh, that was bottom of the barrel stuff <laughs> we move I mean let's just start with the goal because it came so early right I mean it was the main thing that happened it was a good header Shea Adams we, we say every week he doesn't score and he scored and a classic Shea Adams goal he which was it. a decent header 
Shut your mouth, commentator. Yeah. He did it. He scored yeah, a goal. Yeah, yeah. Big credit to uh, Perro as well, the left back. I've never heard of him. I'm not going to pretend I have. Mm-hmm. But I remember that he scored last week and he got an assist this game. So very decent for the last two games. Big three points yeah. for Southampton, really. Needed this. Huge. Mm. If, right, here's, here's the fun thing about the Prem. If you were told going into this game that one of these teams is on the longest unbeaten run in the Prem at the moment and one of the teams hasn't had a clean sheet this season what would you expect? You'd expect a very comfortable win for Bournemouth Yep anything but, but then they go and then they go lose Yeah This is the way so, This is the way of the Prem I have to say um, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's O'Neill's a unbeaten run is over I feel like O'Neill what does it mean? Yeah I feel like it's, 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 it's not even a bad result for Bournemouth because they've got so much credit in the bank already that you know, that of course they're allowed to lose. Obviously, <laughs> um, yeah, but losing on this one, I just feel like the contract has gone. It's been shredded. Do you reckon? Oh. It's been sitting there for a while. It's gone. I think they're just waiting for an excuse to not give it to him. Yeah, maybe because it's a new ownership. Yeah, so the last thing they'd want to do is start exactly start their tenure with a caretaker manager. Mm. Oh. Emotional choice, maybe logical choice for the season, but I think they want a statement. Yeah, I mean it benefits O'Neill as well because he can walk away at the end of the season, and I'm sure he'll walk into a championship job. I'm sure championship clubs are taking notice of of how well he's doing. Where Scott Parker couldn't, who's seen as like a top championship level manager. So I, I suppose it suits oh, both sure. parties. But a part of me would feel, if I was O'Neill, I would feel a little bit under rewarded, you know, taking this job at a crisis point and leading them to stability. And you know, there's been no no mention of a contract in the in the waiting. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I understand both sides. New owners coming in, and especially US owners, they probably want to take it in a very different direction, like Ted Bowley did. So, yeah, fair. Yeah. What can you do? What can you do? Yeah. Nothing. Speaking of sort of specifics, sort of Southampton, Marshall, Slanky, and Phil Billing very well. If you can keep them quiet, you basically remove most of the threat that Bournemouth offer. Um, there was one lunge by Mepham on Maitland-Niles which was a little bit reckless mm. where he kind of slide tackles into him and he catches him um, fairly gently but it looks like had the contact been been more significant it could have been a red card challenge pretty easily so that was the only real bit of spiky controversy it's technically a derby yeah, isn't it so I suppose we could expect a little bit of bite and uh, needle yeah you're right yeah not the not the most well-known derby by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. but um, but yeah, mate, Ralph, he moves, he gets he gets the win that he needed to carry on for another month. Big up Ralphie! Every time we say his his time's done, he comes back. So I know, yeah. And he got this clean sheet with no Bellum Cotchap in the back line. That's impressive. That Oof, I don't know. You know how much of a fan I am of old Bellum Cotchap, so. I just don't know what to think. He's a fraud. He's a, he's a fraud. He's a bald fraud. He's a bald fraud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish we were talking about the bald fraud again today. <laughs> so, mate, I'd actually have loved uh, that. He's just lost 2-0 to Arsenal. Yeah. He's played five at the back. He's lost his head. Suddenly seven points behind. Rodri is a centre-back. He's getting questions that Mikel maybe is, you know... Yeah, the better manager because you know there's that whole process oh yeah exactly that would be that would be so spicy but alas no we're not going to see that game until the new year now which is uh, bollocks but do you think it's a big conspiracy mate <sighs> let me just get my tinfoil hat one sec 
<laughs> I mean, part of me does think they have capitalised on the fact that these are now the two front runners for the season, and now they've just plucked it out of obscure midweek fixture, and they're going to put it pride of place on a Sunday, I reckon. So maybe, maybe. I mean, it'd be a big conspiracy because the, the royal family would have to be in it, obviously, with, with the queen passing away. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, City yeah, have won doesn't... four out of five. We're getting pretty desperate out here. Maybe Lizzie was a big fan of a fair competition. So that's a that's a deep conspiracy. It's not one that I want to open up. No, we also might because just this rabbit hole is like a three a.m. kind of YouTube thing where. You don't know how you got here. You don't know why you're here, but uh, you're soaking it I in. Mean, if I say any more, you know, we might just get deplatformed as well. well. So I better shut up. That's what I'm saying. On to uh, <laughs> some predictions. Quick fire predictions. Hugh, Fulham, Aston Villa. Prediction. 2-1 oh, Fulham. Definitely. But I think one is generous. I'm going <laughs> to about to say that too. I think one's generous on Villa's <laughs> part because I can't fucking score. But yeah, I, don't, I, I see a Fulham. Gerard sacked. Oh, After this fuck. game, what do you reckon? Oh, I, just, I really don't want to like... I love Gerard too. And this is a biasness that everyone's feeling. Like I don't want to sit here and slay him, but yeah, I, I think he's got to go if they don't win again. It's, it's How long have we been saying like, yeah, they played well for 60 minutes and they can build on that, but ultimately they are where they are on the table. <laughs> They're in a worse place than when he took over. Yeah, um, they are. They're, there's not tangible signs of improvement. It's just they sort of stopped getting worse. So I guess that is an improvement, but it's not. Oh, progress. mate, they're seventeenth though. Just, they are dangling. Yeah, yeah, he's got to go. They are hanging. Yeah, it's a bit. I, so yeah, two, I one. think I think he's on thin ice. I think he's on thin ice now. But then, like, I don't know. I don't know who's on the managerial circuit these days and who's available. Apparently, like, Poch. For Bournemouth for Villa. Poch for Villa. Poch for Villa. For Villa. What a coup that would be. Yeah, but I mean, no. Honestly, Poch's stock's no. just dropped, isn't it? He won the league at with with PSG, and his stock's never been lower. <laughs> it's crazy. That's actually so true. He got so much hate, didn't he, while he was there? You cannot, you cannot go against the cult that is Neymar. You can't do no, that. No, no. Can't try and make Neymar press. No. What the fuck, are you thinking? Literally. Who do you think you are? He was never the right man for the job, was he? Like PSG's everything yeah, that, was that he doesn't stand for. Wishful thinking. Yeah, yeah it's, it's stupid. Well, wow. well, if if you go from Gerard to Poch, then I say get rid of Gerard before the game. <laughs> get rid. Yeah, just parachute Poch in. Yeah, I agree. If he's if he's yeah. available and interested, I don't know what they're waiting for. To be honest, it's not even like they need to pay compensation yeah. for him. It'd just be compensation to Gerard, which is probably quite a lot, to be fair. But yeah, that's right, Gerard. Just come back to Liverpool, mate. Come back to being our under twenty threes coach, mate. <laughs> I thought you meant come to mate. replace Klopp for a Deep second. Bits. I think that's out the window now. Oh isn't no, it? no no no. The, uh, no, that's definitely out of the he's window. Fucked. Pep Linder's got way more chances. <laughs> yeah, he's fucked his audition now, hasn't he, Gerard? <laughs> Yeesh. I mean, arguably, Gary O'Neill's got more chances than Gerard <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Literally, so true, though. Right, let me let me ask you. All right. Leicester versus Leeds. What's your prediction? Two two. Two two. Two two. 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 You think Leicester can yeah. score two? Again, I think that's I think quite Leicester ambitious. Leicester definitely score two. I don't know. I think Leeds are just in a weird place again where they just aren't getting much luck and they're playing well. So they'll definitely score. But I think they'll also just concede some more stupid goals. Again, if... I'm going to say 2-2. Two, two. I feel like Leeds are in the same place as Villa. And Leicester, it's, a, it's already a relegation battle. And Jesse Marsh's job could be on the line soon, mate. <laughs> 
It could be. You know? I think that'd be really harsh. Yeah, they yeah. actually have played well. Like they should have got three points against Arsenal. I think. Yeah. So if they lose today, though, they played well a lot. Of games. They lose today. I don't yeah, know what to think. But at least you, you can see what they're trying to do. You can see that there is a plan and there's a good style of football there. And I think the fans appreciate it. I think the last thing you want as a Leeds fan after three years of like very distinctive attacking football is to go full reverse and get like Shaw Dyson. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, I, just, I think they'd. I honestly think they'd rather go down playing good football than to hit the nuclear button and get someone in to just stay up for the sake of it. I think they're so wedded to this now. They, they really. Oh, I don't know about that. Emote with it. Leeds definitely don't want to go back to. You know last I mean? time went to championship, then come back for twenty years. <laughs> I think they're loyal though to their style of football. Oh, you'd have to be fucking loyal. But then you know Leeds fans are. But yeah, uh, honestly, we could potentially. I, don't, you know, I think you're right I don't think we would suggest Jesse Marsh get sacked if they lose today but potentially all three managers are at risk out of the four teams playing today yeah I agree with only Marco Silva looking secure but you know give it a couple more losses yeah exactly exactly it's actually there's so it's many teams potentially that could go down this year and you wouldn't want to put like there's no Norwich Leicester City are the Norwich and I still expect them to to pick some points up at some point you know you know what that that would be a tremendous end of the Leicester City story arc that against all expectations they won the league and then against all expectations down, they got relegated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had to be Brendan that, the man to do it as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, I I don't know what Brendan's level is anymore. I don't know what he's about because this does seem to happen every time. Is he just like Conte but a different version where there's a three year shelf life? Oh, there's that, definitely a shelf life with Rogers. You just yeah. move on. Yeah. He's he, he, you shouldn't give him beyond the initial contract you should just let that happen have the good times and then as players start to get disenfranchised he's a Europa League manager but he's got to have the squad built for him like you've got to have a good squad in place he can come yeah. in work his magic for two three years and then once it starts going wrong he's got to go because yeah he, as you say he can't we, he can't recycle the squad he doesn't know how to no cannot reverse the slides no um, right last talking point mm. Karim the dream oh yes wins the Ballon d'Or up Kareem I think deserved winner if I look back at this last year's uh, football calendar I think so too mate yeah some truly exceptional performances in the Champions League Mm. Um, Champions League winner the Liga winner Mm -hmm. loads of goals potentially World Cup winner just just unreal though like hitting levels that even he has got to be surprised about I think so he's noticeably the best yeah I think so I think he's he surpassed everyone's expectations and that's crazy for a 35-year-old Kareem Benzema. Do you know what I mean? And it's, yeah, it's just nice to see that it's not just the Messi and Ronaldo show anymore. It's just nice to have variety. Even if it's still monopolised by forwards, it's just nice to have new names mm. and people getting shout-outs that they richly deserve because it's only a matter of time before Haaland wins it every year so we got to enjoy this, yeah, little, this little window. Where I feel like Lewandowski last year is still so fucking harsh. Them not giving him the award last year. You see, Mbappe got sixth place. He looks very unhappy about that. Yeah, I did see that. I was surprised. I saw Mane came second, which I thought, wow. Because I, I remember, I think we talked about it. I was like, if Liverpool win the Champions League, Mane should win the Ballon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Three yeah, trophies yeah. and the African Cup of Nations. No, yeah. I think it was literally between him and Kareem. And then, yeah. Had just a shootout whoever end. won the Champions yeah. League would be the one that would you know picks up the Ballon d'Or. But yeah, respect that Mane got that far as well. Put some respect on his name, right? Yeah, because I think 
for me, I find it hard to understand how good he is. I think it's easier to appreciate players of other clubs sometimes and look at them um, and just think how good they are. I think when, especially when you like sign them from Southampton and then you're like, I don't know how good they actually are. I feel like they're one of the best players in the world, but I might be being biased. So it's just like validation that actually what we watched with Mane was something special. He was one of the best players in the world. Yeah. In full flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And interestingly, obviously, he got second place to Salah's fifth place, but I suppose the AFCON, isn't it? So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I think, unless there's any more from you, any random bits, I think we're done. Nah, it's all done. All done. Um, as you say, we've got the two games today. And then we're back on the weekend. It's, it's non-stop. It is non-stop, baby. Amen. So yeah, I hope everyone has a lovely weekend. Um, likewise, you as well, Hugh. You too. And we'll be back on Monday with more Premier League Digest. Lovely stuff. God bless. See you soon.